I'll be reading from the book of Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. And in the Bibles in the pew, it's uh, page 596. The Song of Songs, which is Solomon. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine because of the fragrance of your good ointments. Your name is ointment poured forth. Therefore, the virgins love you. Draw me away. We will run after you. The king has brought me into his chambers. We will be glad and rejoice in you. We will remember your love more than wine. Rightly do they love you. I am dark but lovely, O daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Keter, like the curtains of Solomon. Do not look upon me because I am dark, because the sun has tanned me. My mother's sons were angry with me. They made me the keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I have kept not. Tell me, O whom I love, where you feed your flock, where you make it rest at noon. For why should I be as one who veils herself by the flocks of your companions? Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you're visiting with us, thank you so much for being with us. It's an honor to have you. It's an encouragement to have you, and we hope that we can encourage you. There's not a lot easy about relationships, so there's no wonder that God wrote an entire book and placed it in the middle of the Bible that shows us the relationship between a man and a woman. It said that a woman had handwritten preparation for her memorial service, and she wanted only female pallbearers. And she said that if men wouldn't carry her out while she was alive, she didn't want them carrying her out when she was dead. Now, that, widow, or that um, old maid, you might say, kind of reminds us of, of the dealings that we go through in relationships. But what's of a sad interest this morning as we kick off here in February, the month of love, the month that has Valentine's Day, it's a sad interest that the world talks a whole lot about love and talks about it in the wrong way talks a whole lot about relationships, but a lot of immoral relationships. And yet we're given the instruction and the righteousness about relationships and about how they ought to begin and how they ought to build and how they ought to end. But yet too often times, we're the ones that are silent on the matter when really we ought to be in the forefront. We ought to be speaking the most about it. And so let's study with an open mind. Let's study with a genuine desire to see what is it that God would want us to be? What is it that God would want us to teach our children to become? And make sure that we're practicing the relationships that God would have us to practice. A few years ago, we went through a series in a Bible class, a Song of Solomon, 
that series was very helpful for me to see that God doesn't dance around the topic of love, of marriage, and of romance and sexuality. Instead, God speaks very straightforward about it. <clears throat> Pretend with me, if you will, that a community is out on the edge of the water and they're enjoying a picnic together. And as they're enjoying a picnic together, a crocodile comes out and he takes off the arm of a little boy and immediately you begin to yell and scream, Look out! Look out! There's a crocodile over there! There's a crocodile over there! And immediately you notice something strange. Everyone else just continues eating their picnic, they glance over with their eyes, but don't even move their head. They just glance around, and you can't figure out. You run to the little boy, and you see if he needs help. His mother and father come over, they wrap a blanket around him, and they rush him off. You guess they're going to a hospital somewhere, but no one else moves, except for some of your extended family members. You see, you're visiting this little community. You haven't learned all of the ways that they are. And your extended family members say to you, shh, you mean shh, there's a crocodile out there and it's going to take the lives of others. It's going to harm a lot of people and a lot of families. Somebody needs to warn all these people about the danger. Shh, don't say that. Don't say what? Don't say the C word. We don't talk about that around here. You don't talk about crocodile. Shh, don't say that word. And your family member marches you back to your blanket there. You sit down, and during the meal, you watch a few other people that are attacked by crocodiles. And you can't imagine a community going on like that. The Lord designed us as sexual beings. But yet... We, with all of the instruction and the guidance that God has given us, seem to be the last people that talk about it. And we have the beautiful design that God's given us. We have the clear instruction. We have the guidance that can keep people from being hurt. We have the guidance that can make it into a beautiful thing. But yet you turn on the radio station and they talk about it. You turn on the television and they talk about it. You go to a movie and they talk about it. And I'm not endorsing all the ways it's talked about or all those means of talking about it. I'm simply saying everybody else is talking about it. Now, if it is in the middle of our Bible, very clearly communicated, why aren't we talking about it? So for the next few weeks, let's talk about that relationship that God's designed. Before we go to that passage of Song of Solomon, I'd like for us to drop over in the New Covenant, and I'd like for us to look in 2 Peter, the first chapter, for just a moment. 2 Peter, the first chapter. Notice as we begin reading in verse 3. 2 Peter 1 and 3. As His divine power. Now this divine power He's talking about is how we receive the Bible by the inspiration of God. In other words, the apostles didn't just sit down as wise men. They sat down as inspired by God. And so what they wrote was literally God-breathed, which is what inspiration means. It's God's breath. It's God's words. And so He says, As His divine power has given to us, now notice this word, all 
He's given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him, it's through the knowledge of Jesus, who called us by glory and virtue, by which, having been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. In other words, we don't have to live the carnal and fleshly way. We can listen to the inspired message of God, and we can live a higher life than just that of being an animal. We can live a higher life of being a carnal or fleshly nature. But notice how we do this at the end of verse 4 there. The divine nature, being partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. The only way we're going to escape is to understand that the world has ways that, lust means desire, has ways that might appear to be desirable, but yet it's desiring sin. And if we'll overcome that, we can escape that and move to something else. Well, what else do we move to? We escape it by the divine nature and we move to something wonderful. It is escaping pain and being rewarded by God's plan. Now, did you notice it said, all things that pertain to life and godliness? One of the things, if we had to list five of our greatest concerns for the American culture today, I would say that probably everybody in this room would put in their top five the sexual immorality of our culture today. Now, surely none of us are so foolish to believe that we would have such a corruption like that in our society and God not address it. He gives us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Of course God is going to address it. And not only is He going to tell us how to avoid that, but He's going to tell us how to move into a beautiful relationship the way He's designed it to be. Now notice how he ties the very next two verses, or three verses, into this. Notice as we begin in verse 5, he says, but also for this very reason. In other words, because we avoid the corruption of the world through lust, and we live to a higher standard, for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness love. Have you ever stopped to think, that when we, or our society, or even those in our church family, would be sexual and moral, that they cannot accomplish these things? In other words, sexual immorality works against every one of these things. We can't be people of faith and sexually immoral. We can't be growing in knowledge and be sexually immoral. We can't be people that have self-control but yet be out of control sexually. We can't be people that's persisting in the right thing if we're doing the wrong thing. We can't say that we love others, brotherly, or brotherly love. We can't say that we love others if what we're experiencing with others is damning both of our souls. We can't say that we agape if in fact it brings harm upon another. And so it is. God has solutions. And what a blessing it is in the mixed up society in which we live that we can go somewhere for answers. 
Look with me, if you will, back to the book of Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon is a book that we find in the middle of our Bible. It's, of course, in the Old Testament. It's along with the five books of poetry. And oftentimes, uh, we lightheartedly say Revelation is the book that we hardly ever study. Hey, we're experts at Revelation compared to Song of Solomon. Most people have never studied the book of Song of Solomon, even if they call themselves devout Christians. And that really is a sad commentary on us. If that's true, it's a sad commentary on us, especially considering the society in which we live. Could it be that God gives us a book about a man and a woman meeting each other, being attracted to each other, spending time with each other, courting each other, marrying each other? And what about the honeymoon? We get to the fourth chapter and the inspired pen does not stop writing, but records every detail of the honeymoon. The fifth chapter, we see what happens after all good marriages. They fight. And so we see conflict after the marriage, after the honeymoon. But we see them resolving that conflict. And then we see them growing closer to each other even after marriage than what they were. We see that physical relationship continues to grow stronger and stronger. We see romance after they're married. We see courtship even after they're married. We see commitment after they're married. God has given us eight chapters where it is nothing except a love story. Now, years ago, commentaries used to be written trying to make the book of Song of Solomon to be only an analogy between Christ and the church. And it's almost humorous to read through those commentaries and see how they would try to make every phrase here that really is a love story between a man and a woman and how God's design of love is to be and them trying to make it a perfect parallel to everything about Christ and the church. No doubt. The analogy is made in the Scriptures that the church is the bride and Christ is coming back for His bride. But friends, that doesn't appear to be at all the purpose for the writing of Song of Solomon. God gives us the writing of Song of Solomon to help us see what relationships ought to be. Can you imagine God handing us a hand grenade, not telling us what it is, not giving us any instruction? just tossing it over to us and saying, hey, you figure that out, good luck. Well, he wouldn't do that. And he hasn't done it with the topic of sexuality either. So for the next few weeks, let's look at this beautiful love story in the book of Song of Solomon. And let's see how God has designed for us to understand this. Now, for what it's worth as we're beginning, we will follow with the old Hebrew custom. They wouldn't allow their children under the age of 12 to read the Song of Solomon. And so we won't go through every detail of the Song of Solomon. It simply would not be appropriate in this audience. But the parts of it that are appropriate for this audience, let's address it and hopefully it encourage you to study other parts on your own. Physical attraction. That's what we noticed, one of the first things as we study the book Song of Solomon. We noticed that they were physically attracted to each other. Let's go back and let's see what was attractive about Solomon as we go and look in the third verse, and then we'll skip down and we'll read verse 16. Notice again as we're reading in Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 3. Notice it says, Because of the fragrance of your good ointments 
Your name is ointment poured forth, therefore the virgins love you. But skip down in verse 16, and the Shulamite also says here about Solomon, Behold, you are handsome, my beloved, yes, pleasant. Also, our bed is green. Now, as we note here by the introduction in the Song of Solomon, he's writing showing us when these two individuals meet each other, and the first thing that's described is the physical relationship. God has designed us that way. I don't know if you've ever stopped and thought about it, but it's really common sense. No one has to go up to that high school student, to that young man, and say, look, let me tell you something. There's going to be a new girl that walks in your class today, and she's going to have just long hair. And I just want you to know, it's, it's beautiful. When you look at that hair, just say to yourself, that hair is beautiful. And she's going to have the most sparkling, beautiful blue eyes, and, and that's attractive. I want you to learn to be attractive to that long hair and that beautiful, those beautiful blue eyes. No one has to train that young man to do that. No one. She just walks into class, and just as natural as natural can be, he says, whoa, we've got a new girl in class today. Now, he might not notice those three new guys, but I guarantee you he noticed that new girl. Why? God made us that way. And so what she immediately mentions about him, she mentions his fragrance. Now, at first, that usually seems strange to individuals. Why fragrance? But yet, if you were from Mars, and you landed on planet Earth, and you were trying to learn all of the ins and outs of our culture and relationships, and you said, cologne, cologne, perfume, I, I don't know what that's for... Let me just watch the advertisements. Let me look at some advertisements in a magazine. I, I think I can figure out what, what cologne is for. Well, what would you figure out? Probably more than what you ought to figure out. But definitely, it is linked to the senses that is linked to the heart. You see, that's what physical attraction is. Physical attraction is when we see something that either, by the way it sounds, oh, I love to hear him laugh. Oh, I love her voice by the smell, by the sight, by the touch, or even by the taste. It's that that touches the heart. God has designed us that way. That's why she can say, my beloved, he's handsome. He's pleasant. Let's look and see about her physical attributes. And we see something revealing about their culture here as we look down in verse 5 and 6. Notice she says, I am dark but lovely, O daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Kedar, like the curtains of Solomon. And both of those were very, very dark. But then she says in 6, revealing this, she's somewhat insecure with this, as she says, Do not look upon me because I am dark. Because the sun has tanned me. My mother's sons were angry with me. They made me the keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I've not kept. Now, we're accustomed because of the last several decades in America, the idea is that tan is beautiful. Individuals will pay money for appointments to a tanning bed. The idea that tanning will make me more attractive. But the opposite was true in their culture. You see, if an individual was tanned in their culture, it was a sign of having to go out and work outside for a living. And that meant the woman was not kept. That meant the woman did not have the luxury of being in a family where she could do the work of either a woman or even be, have servants surround her. 
Now we believe that since her father is never mentioned, that her father must have been deceased, and so therefore she was following the orders of her brother in a family that was probably simply trying to survive. And in their moment of survival, she's given the obligation of a certain vineyard. It was probably a leased vineyard, and we see that from some things that said over in the 8th chapter. And so here we have this leased vineyard, and they're passing out responsibilities of all the family, and the older brother says, hey, that vineyard there, that's your responsibility. So now she's having to go down and she's having to work that vineyard, but now she's becoming sunbait. In other words, she's saying, my complexion is no longer attractive. I'm attracted to you, but please, don't draw your conclusion based upon my complexion. I am lovely. In other words, there's more to me than this bad complexion that you see. And what we see throughout the rest of the book of the Song of Solomon is that he's able to look over that and he's able to fall in love with her and he's able to build a wonderful relationship with her to the point that later on he even says, I don't see a spot in you. In other words, I don't see any blemishes of you at all. But yet, at a glance in their society, it would have been very notable that she would have had the complexion of a vineyard worker. As we think about physical attraction, so much of relationships today is built on that level. I'm afraid that many marriages try to carry on even at that level. And we oftentimes use the expression that beauty is only skin deep. And if that is as deep as our relationship goes, it's just a physical attraction. In other words, someone says, well, we just have the right chemistry. You know, I would hope that if a man and a woman get married that they are physically attracted to each other. I would hope that they have the right chemistry, but that alone has never been a re good reason to get married. Instead, there has to be something that goes much deeper. Let's go back up again and look at verse 3, and let's look at what was deeper in his life than just his physical outlook, his physical appearance. Look back with me, if you will, in verse 3. We've just read that first part and talked about it because of the fragrance of your good ointments. But notice this. He says, your name is like ointment poured forth. Or other translations would say like oil pressed forth. Now here when she speaks of his name, notice she even follows this up by saying, therefore the virgins love you. In other words, the young ladies love you. Why? Because you're beautiful, you're handsome on the outside, but you're handsome through and through. It doesn't stop at a skin level. The idea here is character. What are we made of? The word character comes from the etching in stone, or the instruments that etch into stone. In other words, we could go out on the beach today, and we could take a stick, and we could write something in the sand, and we could come back the very next day, and odds are it would be covered up so we could not even recognize that anything had been etched into that sand. But we can go and we can etch something in stone and we can come back tomorrow and we can come back ten years from now and we can even bring our grandchildren back and we can dust it off a little bit and say, you see right there? I wrote that back when, when your mother or when your grandmother and I first met each other. What is it that is etched into our being? What is it that makes up our character? In other words, that's who we are. Even if the times are good or if the times are difficult, that's who we are. Well, she's saying, you have a name. 
You have a reputation. And keep in mind, this is the same man that said, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. Saying you have a name that it's like the first press of olive oil. You know, there's a virgin oil in olive oil. The first press, when the press is screwed down into the olives, the first press is the most pure oil that comes forth. That is caught. That is the pure oil. After that, the pulp is pressed. She's saying, you're the oil that first came forth. In other words, your reputation is the very best reputation. Attraction. Physical attraction alone is never enough to build a relationship with a person. But learning who they are, learning their character, and finding their core values, finding where they are spiritually, finding what they'll stand for and what they'll give their life for, when we find those things, then we reveal whether or not that is the kind of person that I need to build a relationship with, the kind of person that I want to move into marriage with, the kind of person that I want to build a family with. But we need to learn what the inside is before we ever move into a long-term relationship. You know, yesterday, watching some of our girls play basketball, And have you ever noticed how sports will reveal character? I've heard people say sports will build character. I think that might be true, but that could be debatable. But it will definitely reveal character. I was trying to explain briefly yesterday that one thing you can count on is that refs are going to make bad calls because they're human. If I was out there, I'd make bad calls. The end of that game yesterday, there were a few calls that, from our standpoint, it could have easily gone the other way, and it changed the outcome of the game. Times like that can be frustrating. What comes out at times like that? Character comes out. When you see individuals that they lose it when the pressure's on, young people... 20-somethings that aren't married, that's how you find out whether or not you want to be married to them. That's how you find out if you want a relationship with them. Because you've just pulled back the banana peel and you've just seen who they are. Oh, no, no, they're not really like that. When we go on dates, they're sweet as they can be. That's because they're not mad at you. And guess what? If you marry them, they're going to get mad at you. We're fools if we choose relationships based upon attraction, physical attraction. Now, let's pause there for just a moment and say there's nothing wrong with physical attraction because that's the way God designed it. So we probably would be pretty foolish also if we said, I want to marry someone I'm not physically attracted to because that would be leaving out an element of God's plan also. But what we want to become 
We want to be people that are close to God and drawing closer to God every day of our life. And we want to spend our life, if we choose to marry, with a companion that also wants to be close to God and growing closer to God all of their life also. In other words, we want to get down to the core values. Look quickly, if you will, as we drop back down to verse 6, and notice verse 6 and 7 again as we think about her core values, and then we'll bring this lesson to a close. Notice again her core values. We've read verse 6. I want us to look over it again and make a few comments. She says, do not look upon me, upon me because I am dark, because the sun has tanned me. Notice this. My mother's sons were angry with me. They made me the keeper of the vineyard, but my own vineyard. In other words, her own body I have not kept. Tell me, O oh, you whom I love, where you feed your flock. This is what she's saying to him. Where you make it rest at noon. For why should I be as one who veils herself by the flocks of your companions? Do you see about this woman that she's submissive? And... If you've been here for very many months at all, we've had several lessons where I've taken the time to emphasize that whether we're male or female, submission is a beautiful thing. When we fight submission, we are not people of inner strength and character. When people want to fight the government, because I'm not going to be told by anybody what to do. When people want to fight elders, nobody's going to tell me what to do. That is revealing the character of someone that is going to be hard to build a happy and holy, lasting relationship. This woman, even though it is obvious by her statements, she did not want to go to that vineyard. In her society, her brothers had authority over her, and she submitted to authority even though it was against her wishes. That tells us something beautiful about the character of this woman. We also see that she was a hard worker. She didn't mind pulling her weight in the family. Guys, think long and hard if she doesn't want to do anything around the house she grew up in. Because odds are she won't want to do anything around your house either when you get married. Girls think long and hard. If he bounces from one job to another job, odds are after you say, I do, he's still going to be bouncing from one job to another job. In other words, here we see a young lady that's submissive. We see a young lady that's a hard worker. She stays with the vineyard. She brings forth the harvest. But notice this last part. She's attracted to this man. She wants to spend more time with this man. But you know what she won't do? She won't ruin her reputation to do it. Any society has proven this fact. Anywhere there's a group of men that are at a certain place for a certain length of time, if the men are immoral, prostitutes can be found around. Women of that day would follow the shepherds, and the women would hide their appearance before others by wearing veils, but yet they were there to be a form of prostitutes for the shepherds. Now, that wasn't her. But you know what? Not only would she not do that, she would not be mistaken as one that would do that. I want to spend time with you, but you're going to have to tell me where you keep your sheep. I'm not going to go around from shepherd to shepherd and get the wrong reputation. It doesn't matter what everybody thinks about me. It does matter. A good name is rather be chosen than great riches. Your character and your reputation is who you are. And it does matter. 
We live in a society that honestly believes that there's nothing wrong with fornication. Before, because of scheduling conflicts, when our building was still open to people in the community to have weddings here on a regular basis, we would have people that wanted a church wedding that their dresses, they already were living together. And they thought nothing about it. You see, that's becoming acceptable in the religious circles. Fornication is acceptable. Friends, we need to make sure that we know what's right and that we make sure that our reputation is pure. Proverbs teaches us that beauty can pass and charm can pass, but the woman that fears the Lord, she shall be praised. In other words, we can grow more beautiful on the inside as long as we live. As we close here, I want you to please give serious thought to this, and especially if you're already married, give serious thought to this. How is it that a man can lean over at his 50th anniversary to his wife and say, Honey, I love you more today than I have ever loved you. And be telling the truth. You know, young people would look and say, Well, they're good looking for their age, but they're not at the height of their beauty. How is it that their relationship's growing stronger and stronger and stronger? It's because they've built the relationship on an inner attraction. They're moving in the same direction. They're sharing their life with one that wants the same thing. And they're growing closer to God and closer to each other every day of their life. This morning... Let's make sure that we do not get sidetracked with temporary things, that we miss the eternal things. Let's make sure that as we consider who to spend time with and who to spend the rest of our life with, that if we still have that decision out in front of us, that we think about that based upon what would be best for us eternally. Let's make sure that as we sing this song of invitation, that if our life isn't right with God, instead of just looking at the moment that we look at eternity and that we make our decision now, based on what we ought to do, based upon what God would have us to do so that we'll be set in a close relationship with Him. If you've never been baptized into Christ for remission of your sins, won't you do that this morning? Or if you have, and yet you've fallen away from the Lord, you need to come back and repent and confess. If we can help you in any way, come as we stand, as we sing.
We once again welcome our visitors with us this morning. We uh, want to encourage you to come back and be with us anytime that you can. You're certainly always invited. We would like to have a record of your attendance, visitors, if you'd be filling out a blue card at this time, members of white card, and pass those down to the end of the aisles. Our young men will pick those up during our final song. Our sympathy is extended to Sherry Kibbe and family on the death of her Aunt Debbie Bennett. Her funeral was in West Virginia. Also to Dora Forrest on the passing of her brother-in-law, Marshall Martin. His funeral was last week in Dixon. We've also been asked to keep Savannah Swandle in our prayers. Savannah is a five-year-old classmate of Joshua Smith at Mount Juliet Elementary. Her family just found out this past week that she has stage four cancer. Please refer to your bulletin for several who are listed on our sick list, and remember to keep those in your thoughts and prayers this week. Congratulations to Mark and Melissa Williamson on the birth of their son, John Mark. He was born Wednesday, February 1st, weighing seven pounds, 15 ounces. Wayne and Betty Williamson and Tommy and Sandra Whittle are the proud grandparents. Jeff Whittle, the proud uncle, and John Mark joins big sister Ellen at home. Also, congratulations to Charles and Sue Russell on the birth of their new great-granddaughter, Adriana Nicole Morales. She weighed 9 pounds, 15 ounces. Tim and Terry Thompson are the great uncle and aunt. Congratulations this morning also to Ron and Jane Shelton celebrating their 35th wedding anniversary. We appreciate the example of this fine Christian couple. Outreach teams will not be meeting today. Be sure to check the bulletin board outside the fellowship hall to see what your new team assignments are, and please sign up on those lists if you haven't already done so. The teams will begin meeting next week. It's our privilege today to conduct the worship service for Mount Juliet Healthcare at 3 o'clock this afternoon. Everyone is invited. The leadership retreat, February 10th and 11th at Camp Maribel Lodge, is for all elders, deacons, and ministers. Please sign up in the foyer. Next Sunday will be Missions Emphasis Day. All adult classes will meet in the auditorium. We'll have two guest speakers. The Widow's Luncheon will be next Sunday. The Young Ladies Serving Christ, 6th through 8th graders, will be hosting that lunch in the Fellowship Hall. There will be a 6th through 12th grade Bible study Tuesday night. The 6th through 8th grade Devo will be next Sunday night. Parents' Night Out will be Saturday, February 11th at the building. Pizza and juice boxes will be provided. This is for second and third graders. There's a sign-up sheet in the foyer at the Children's Activity Board. Please see Martin Porter if you can help. The jail ministry recertification class will be Tuesday, February 21st at 6.30 p.m. The place will be announced later. And this is for those who have expired cards, have lost their cards, or for anyone uh, now that may be wanting to get a card and to help uh, teach in the Wilson County Jail on Sundays. Please see Terry Burton for additional information on that. The Newcomers Mixer is next Sunday evening after fellowship and after the service in the Fellowship Hall. This is for anyone who's placed membership since November. The theme is Italian, so please bring your favorite Italian dish. There will be uh, reaching the top outing next Thursday, February 16th. There are several sign-up sheets in the foyer for the Calling and Caring Workshop. Everyone is encouraged to attend these. The dates are February 17th through the 19th and March 3rd through the 5th. And the cost is being subsidized for materials. The cost now will be $10 per person. The lost and found table in the foyer will be cleared today. Please check to see if any items there belong to you. If you're interested in playing softball, there's a sign-up sheet in the foyer for men's softball. See Jeff Fortner or John Maxwell for details. Also, anyone interested in playing uh, softball with the women's team, please meet down front after service this morning. Disaster Relief will be loading trucks tomorrow at 10 o'clock. If you'd like to have a ride, please be here at the building at 845. 
After our final song, Marty Pinnix will have a closing prayer. If you would turn to number 705, 705. We are grateful to several of our adult classes. You'll notice that we had moved some rooms around and even expanded some rooms. And we did that on short notice because we needed to make some room for uh, those of us who were in our larger Bible classes. And we want everyone to have room to come to class. So we appreciate your cooperation in that. We look forward to continuing to invite people to come to class with us. Well, let's stand and sing number 705, then we'll be dismissed in prayer. thank you this morning for who you are, what you are to each and every one of us. Thank you, Father, for what you've given us. Thank you for what you let us be in our lives. God, we just ask that you'd be with each and every one of us, draw us closer to you, help us to be the better person that we need to be and ought to be, give you the praise and the glory. Thank you for our families, dear Lord, our immediate families at home. We pray for those that are in these families that Father may suffer physically. We pray for those that may suffer spiritually, dear Lord. We just pray that you'd help us to reach out to those and help those that we can in whatever way that we should. We know, dear Lord, you know everything about each and every one of us. We just pray that as Christians and people that we ought to be, that we will strive harder in our lives, in our Christian lives, to be the better person for you that we can be and should be. Be with each and every person, dear Lord, today as we leave. Give us safety as we go to our separate homes. Bring us back here again this evening. And we'll lift up our songs and our hearts to you and give you the almighty praise that you deserve and that you are. In Jesus' name we do pray and ask it all. Amen. <laughs>